0: And so I want to bring to the platform this morning one of my best buds, okay, Pastor Jerry Heath. He's going to tell you all about his family, uh, probably a, a little bit about ministry. If he says any lies about me, we're going to cut the microphone immediately, Immediately. We won't, we won't hear that. We won't be having that, okay? And, uh, but one of my best friends, sincerely, and I appreciate his heart, his love, his passion for God's kingdom. Amen. For God's kingdom. Not his kingdom, not my kingdom. It's God's kingdom. And I'm so grateful to these guys. Will you, one more time, will you give Endurance Church and Pastor Jerry Heath a round of appreciation? Thank them again. Hope City Church, it's finally good to be here. Man, uh, this has been in the works for a long time. And uh, in West Plains, uh, which is about maybe three hours from here, um, we've got a lot of great memories with Mike and TK. And I've got to tell you, I am so proud of Alec and Chase and the men that these guys have become and this family. I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, our kids grew up together, we got a lot of great memories together, but uh, I wanted to do something this morning. Pastor Mike and I went and preached a youth camp a couple weeks ago, and we had 13 and a half hour drive up to Michigan, and then 13 and a half hour drive back. So how many of you guys know we had a lot of talking to do, all right? Dude, I thought this guy, we hit so many gas stations, I thought this guy right here was all about Red Bull, about beef jerky, and a cliff Bar guy. What I found out was he's all pink lemonade and gummy bears, and I was shocked. I was shocked. I don't even know what to say. We're driving days. like, you want a gummy bear? No, I'll pass, bro. I'm good. All right. But no, we, uh, we got to talking, man. And just the vision again for this church began to bubble in my heart. And uh, I just began to see what, what he was talking about, what he's laying out for Jeff City. And I want to say this with, with as much grace as I can. Don't worry about what another church is doing in this city. God has called you to do what you're doing here at this city, okay? And I say that because of this. You're going to have other churches that's going to partner with you. You're going to have other churches that's going to believe in what you're doing. And then you're going to have churches that aren't. But here's the deal. God has started this church in Jefferson City called Hope City Church for a reason because you guys are going to reach, I believe, thousands and thousands of people here. I truly believe that with all my heart. I went back last Sunday after we got back from our trip. I got back and I wanted to tell our church about some of the things you guys are doing in the future. We took up another offering, and I want to give this to Pastor Mike and TK. We took up three thousand dollars last last Sunday for you guys. Here, serious. <laughs> Welcome, man. So here's the deal. I want you guys to know somebody believes in you. Somebody believes in what you're doing. And uh, there's a bigger picture than just one church. There's a whole kingdom of God. And so uh, as I come to you guys today, um, you know, as we're beginning to look at this, like I said, it's, it's an amazing thing to see the journey. We're starting a brand-new series, Join the Journey. And as you look at that, Hope City is on a journey. Endurance Church is on a journey. But you've got to, God places you in a city for a reason. Okay, God brought back your pastors from California for a reason. All right. That was to be that was to be your leaders, okay? To help give direction, to, to guide you guys, to be a shepherd to you guys. But here's the deal the Bible says in Ephesians, the apostle Paul said, I give these gifts to the church, and one of those gifts that he gives to the church is your pastors. And I want you to do this. Would you just make a recommitment to me to pray for your pastors? God's going to show. Uh, these pastors and these leaders, the leadership team, begin to—they're going to uh, they're gonna see vision like never before. They're going to get puzzle pieces. I—I I hate puzzles. I don't know about you guys. All right, maybe you like puzzles. That's on you. All right, but when a snow day comes and my kids were out of school, my wife was like, "Hey, I got this cool puzzle." I'm like, "No, I'd rather go out and hit my kids in the face with snowballs." Is anybody with me? I'm just saying. So here's the deal: when you look at that, the importance of a puzzle, though is that you sit down, you get all the pieces, it doesn't all go together at once, but what you do have is a cheat sheet. What you do have is the front of the box. And one of these days, you guys are going to see the incredible cover of the front of that box for Hope City Church, and when you do, you're going to sit here and go, now I see why all the pieces got put together the way they did. And every one of you are a puzzle piece. You know, when I look at the big picture, there's big picture people, and there's small picture people. And from the very get-go of this, I realized that, that this church is a big-picture church. God wants to do a lot of stuff, and he's just looking for, for people to do that through. He always uses people to get his will done, constantly. And all he wants is a, amen me, come on, I'll take it, I'm good. This, this city needs hope. I'm not trying to do a cliche here because you're Hope City Church, but this city needs hope. I went through McDonald's today, the big arches. Had to get a bottle of water. And I drove about three, about three hours or so is what it was. Not, not bad. And I stopped in there. I finally got up and the lady that was talking to me through the drive-thru, I could tell she did not want to be there. She did not want to even take my order. I could tell in her voice. So I pulled up and I said, hey, how's your day going? And she said, not good. And I said, what's your name? And she said, Larisma. Like Charisma, she is the drive-thru worker at McDonald's right over, off is it Bubba Street? Is that where I came? Was Bubba Street? Is anybody with me on that? All I know is my GPS said turn, on, turn right on Bubba Street. That's all I, I knew. And I'm like, am I in Jeff City? <laughs> huh? So anyways, though, I talked to her, and she began to tear up, and she said, well, nobody's asked me how my day was. I said, well, I have. I said, my name's Jerry. I'm going to be over at Hope City Church speaking this morning. I said, what's going on? She goes, I found my brother dead. I think she said last week. So I I got to talk to her for a moment. I told her about your church. And somebody was honking behind me impatient. So I screamed at him, I'm trying to give hope to this lady right here. Right? No, I did not do that. I wanted to. Is anybody with me? (laughs) There goes my testimony for Jesus, right? But uh, anyways, I got to tell her about Hope City Church, and what I'm asking is this, if anybody after church could please go by McDonald's and make a connection with her, because I know she'll be here when she has Sundays off. And uh, I got to tell her about Jesus and how Jesus could heal her heart. So I'm just telling you, even in a drive through this morning, people need hope. And, and there's a place called Hope City Church, and uh, I told her, I was like, you need to be a part of that thing, it's awesome. So, you know, I don't know how much time people have left. Hearing her story today with her finding her brother uh, dead, we don't know about our own lives at times. You're not promised tomorrow, neither am I. But I know this is a whole city that's got to be reached. It's a person at a time. It's a ministry at a time. And when you look at this, I I notice the clock in the back. Uh, Everybody's got smartwatches and smartphones now, so you don't see the actual uh, whole outline of a clock anymore but when you look at that clock back there you've got 12 all the way through 12. The Bible says this that the time period in which we live right now it literally is the 11 o'clock hour or past. So when you think about that that's scary because Matthew chapter 25 says that the bridegroom's going to come back at midnight. So nobody knows when that time is when midnight's going to happen. We've got signs that Jesus gave us Matthew 24 talks about there's going to be a lot of false prophets, false Christ, false teachers. You're going to see earthquakes. You're going to see famine. You're going to see all kinds of stuff. You're going to see all kinds of of evil begin to happen. We have signs that we can see, but nobody knows the date or the time. But I will say this. According to Scripture, we are in the last days because Peter got up in the book of Acts, and he says, listen, what you're seeing right now is because of what the, the prophet Joel prophesied about the last days that he would pour his spirit out on his sons and daughters, okay? And so when you look at that, we know we're in the last days, but let me make it a little more urgent for you. If you look back at that clock, we're somewhere in between the 11 and 12 o'clock on God's timetable, and the Bible says in 1 John 2.18, it says we're not just in the last days, but twice in there, he says we're in the last hour. And you talk about a wake-up call. Man, here's the deal. I don't, our culture's changed. God doesn't need a woke church. He needs an awake church. And when that happens, you're going to be able to reach all kinds of people. He wants you awake so that he can use you and speak to you, so he can direct you. Don't get caught up in all the stuff that everything's happening out there. Keep your focus on Jesus Christ, and the Bible says that he will direct you, and you will be able to accomplish his will on this earth. And church, the thing is, it never tells you to keep your eyes on people, never tells you to keep your eyes on the culture. The Bible says, fix your eyes upon Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. And listen, I'm just here to tell you, I don't know how much time we got left. I know some of you in here are like, listen, I had my grandma and my grandpa sit me down and they told me Jesus was coming here pretty quick. I better get my life right or I'm going to get left behind. How many of you guys had that scare? Absolutely. We had a guy in the church that I know when I would call if he didn't answer, I thought, "Dear God, I got left behind. Is anybody with me? <laughs> He's gone, and I know that dude's living for God, right? But I'm just telling you, I don't know how much time we have, but I do know this: From when John said that in First John 2:18 to now, I want you to see how incredible that time is passing. Mark this for sure. Okay, the Bible says this, and I'll get to my scriptures in a moment up there. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, mark this. In the last days, there will be terrible times. That word terrible means demonic. That's what it translates over to. You want to know the only thing that's holding the demonic from totally taking over is the local church. You take the local church out, you take prayer out, you take the word of God out, I'm going to tell you something, you're going to have a demonized nation Completely. So if if you don't think that you're such a huge part of what God's doing, you need to think again, because demons are being stopped because of you in the name of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit that you have, because of the word of God that you hold. It's an amazing thing. So I want to talk to you today on hope, on this journey that, listen, there's a journey of hope, and it's to pick people up along the way. I was just talking this morning, um, you know, how many of you guys have been at the spot where you're like, man... Uh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and then by the time you figure it out, it's another train. Is anybody with me? And you're like, man, come on, God. How many more of these things can we have? But I promise you this, there is a light at the tunnel, at the end of the tunnel. It is not a train and Jesus will get you through whatever you're facing. So if you put off hope, it's a very dangerous thing. So uh, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, the Bible says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. If you put off hope, Okay? It makes your heart sick. What does that mean? It means literally there's nothing for you to hold on to or to grab onto. There's nothing for you to be able to go, uh, this is going to get me out of this tomorrow. Or I've got a future. I'm pretty sure Jeremiah prophesied and said, listen, the God that you serve gives you a hope and a future. That's what he said. And when you look at the big picture, church, it's amazing to me to think that how many people, if they just could find hope, that they would still be living today. That that maybe their families would be together. Listen, I know we have a a, a lot of great times, a lot of great memories, a lot of great laughs, but we're talking about the most serious, serious thing we could ever talk about today, and that is if people lose hope, they lose everything. Hope put off, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So, you know, when, when this church launched, Mike got me thinking about hope, and, um, i got to tell you what inspired us to change our name from what we had at our church. We, we went through a lot of bad stuff at our church. I, I've been there 26 and a half years at our church. So I was youth pastor there, then I took over as lead pastor. Our former lead pastor, just some bad stuff happened, okay? Pastor Mike and TK were there for me through the entire thing. And when he came down to preach from California, we flew him and Alec out. We did a dream day, if you remember. You talked on Endurance. And I heard the scriptures on endurance, and and the Lord spoke to my heart and said, change the name of this church. This is your story, Endurance Church. You guys have persevered. You've made it through it, and this is your story. Now share this with your city. Now I'm standing here today, and God's given your pastors a vision and leadership a vision called Hope City Church, and I begin to think about hope. And I want you to see this verse, Hosea chapter 2, verse 15. The Bible says this. This is God speaking through Hosea, and he says, I will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of what? Hope. That's what he says. He says, I'll take the valley of trouble, and then I'll I'll turn it into a gateway of hope, a doorway of hope, which means this, that anybody can access it because God's the one opening the door. If you remember about doors, the Bible says in Revelation that when God shuts a door, nobody can open it. When God opens it, nobody can shut it. And if you look at the story of Noah and the ark, when God shut the door, nobody could get in that boat. So what he's saying here is this. I'm in control of the door. And we know this, that Jesus is the door. He's the gateway. John tells us that, that he's the entrance to that. So anybody can come to Jesus Christ. They just got to have some hope first. And, and, and I guess what I'm trying to say today to this church is this, that guys, be hope givers. If you will give people hope, it will open the door for Jesus to change their lives. Now, is it going to be a struggle at times? Absolutely. We just sang about it. God put families back together. Some of you in here, you are that testimony. God puts your family and marriage back together. Whatever the devil meant for bad, God turned it around for good. He healed you. Some of you guys are former addicts. Okay? And some of you guys, you grew up in a great home. You didn't get on drugs. You didn't get into all this stuff. But you drifted away from God. You didn't have God first in your life. But you're here today. He gives hope. And listen, in the valley of trouble, um, you know, when you go back to the book of Joshua, what this was talking about was there was a guy named Achan. Achan and his family stole from God. God said, listen, you do not take anything. This, him and his family took this. They hid it under their tent. And so what it was was open disobedience, and then God judged that family, wiped all of them out. Now, people look at God and go, well, God's such a mean God. Listen, let me just tell you this. If you let sin run rampant in the church, it will destroy the local church. Okay? So thank God today that your name's not Ananias and Sapphira, that when you lied to God at one time or another, because I sure have, that I didn't get struck dead in the moment like Acts chapter 5. How many of you guys are glad we are in a huge time of grace right now? How many of you guys are like, yeah, I've lied before. My hand's up. Okay, I guess just me and you. All right, man. That's cool. See, everybody else just lied. Is anybody with me? (laughs) So when you look at this, though, you got to look at the big picture. Um, man, Man, I'm looking outside, and I see it raining. How many of you guys are like, God, I just wish your presence would do the same thing in this place every time we meet? And you know how that happens? When you give hope, you'll see people's lives changed. So uh, the Bible tells us this, there's a valley of trouble. God judged them, but he gave a gateway of hope through Joshua. And and when you look at the bigger picture of this, it's a beautiful story because you don't have to live in your your valley of trouble. Joel says this, he prophesied this, he said, many, many people are in the valley of decision. So what he's saying is there's many people trying to decide what this life is about. Is there a God? Chasing how we're talking this morning. You know, people will say they're an atheist. They'll say they're an agnostic. I told him, drop them in the middle of the ocean with a 15-foot great white shark swimming around them. They'll pray to God, I promise you. (laughs) Anybody with me? We were talking about that this morning. Oh, you'll pray to God. You'll believe. I promise you. What it is is when somebody says they're an atheist or an agnostic, what they're doing is they don't want to give an account to God, so they'll say there is no God, so I don't ever have to give an account to God. But how many of you know they will give an account to God, and that's what the local church is here to save and rescue them from? It's, listen, you give hope. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are in the same boat. Man, we all have screwed up. We all have messed up. But then you go to Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through who? Jesus Christ our Lord. He is our hope. And I'm going to tell you something. You guys may have started out small in here. I think Pastor Mike said you guys are averaging maybe around 180 every week. Do you realize from November to now that is absolutely a miracle? I know church plants that have, have been church planted for three, even five years, and they got 20 people. I'm not kidding you. So I want you to look around in here, and I want you to see that God is putting his hope in you as you put your hope in him, that you guys will accomplish the mission that he's got for you. Because there's an entire city that literally needs to be rescued. You know, it's one person at a time. I I love the outreaches. If you get 20, 30 people to come in an outreach, give their life to Jesus, go for it. That's incredible. But don't forget about the Larisma's that's working at McDonald's this morning. Don't don't forget about the individual because you and I used to be the individual, remember? And we still are. And as you look at it, we've been given an incredible gift in Jesus Christ to give us life and forgive us and get us out of the valley of trouble into the gateway of hope. And if he does that for us, can he do that for your family? Can he do that for your neighbor? Can he do that for the person that's working at the restaurant that you meet? Absolutely. Number one, here we go. Hold on to hope and do not let go. Hold on to hope and do not let go. 2 Corinthians 1.10. He, God, has delivered us from such deadly peril. And he will deliver us. On him we have set our what? Hope. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. So what it's saying is he doesn't give up on us. It's not just a one-time thing when you get saved. He continues a relationship with you. He continues to go after you so he can shape and mold you. He wants you to have the best marriage in this city so that other people that don't can look at your marriage and go, there is a God, and God can help my marriage. Or somebody whose kids are running from God, that you you have a godly family, and they can look at your family and go, there is hope, because I I pray that God would make my family like that. You know, it's interesting. I lost my brother uh, about seven years ago, my little brother to cancer. And uh, it absolutely rocked my world. I, I've, I've struggled since then with a lot of stuff of just trying to figure out what happened. He was already handicapped, it, it was a bad deal. But the fact is, this that I never gave up hope. I told my wife when we buried my little brother Jamie, I said, I need you to get me back in that pulpit in two weeks or I'm done. Because it devastated us. I said, I'm a lead pastor, you're a lead pastor. That morning when two weeks came around, the alarm went off and I said, I'm not going. I said, I'm going to send my, my other guy a text. They're preaching again. And my wife literally said, you are not. You are going to get out of this bed right now. You know what she did at that moment? She scared the crap out of me. Is anybody with me? <laughs> she scared me. I thought she's going to, man, I don't, I've don't. i never seen her talk to me like that, right? But you know what she did? She gave me hope. I, I didn't want to be in front of people because I just buried my brother. I didn't want to be up in the microphone smiling and laughing and trying to to share the gospel with people. I was grieving, mourning. But she gave me hope that morning and told me, she said, Jerry, it's going to be all right. You're going to get through this. We look back now, and I'm like, man, the the power of hope is incredible. It it will get you through your darkest times. And the scriptures tell us this. Hebrews 4.14, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. Don't you let go of the faith that you have because the reason you have faith is because you have a hope. Your faith is going, I hope that this comes about. I hope that this miracle happens. I hope to see this family saved. I hope that this ministry takes off. I hope that in the future that God's going to give us the land and a building for Hope City Church and we're going to see thousands of people reached. Okay, all 12 of us, all right? Do you guys see the power of hope? So the reason that you keep praying for land and a building and everything is because you have hope that God's got something in the future for you. You don't give up on that. Listen, I'm here to tell you today, make sure you hold on to the hope that you have. Do not let that hope go. The second thing would be this this morning, when you look at the bigger picture, would be this, keep an open heart with God so that you can always see what God is doing. Keep an open heart with God. Guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else because literally the issues of life come from it. So I don't know about you guys, but I'll be totally honest with you this morning. The troubles that I have had in my life is because I let my guard down on my heart. The Bible says in Jeremiah, your heart is the most wicked thing. It literally is. The thoughts that come from it, everything comes from the heart. But how many of you know, we've got a Savior that can give you hope, and he doesn't just remold your heart, he gives you a brand new heart, the Bible says. So you think different, you act different, you talk different. How many of you guys would say, I'm a different person than what I used to be? And that's the power of hope. That's the power of Jesus. So what you do is you you guard your heart, you keep an open heart, so that you can begin to see what God's doing. He'll begin to show you vision. He'll begin to show you puzzle pieces for your life, your marriage, your church. Listen, we've got to continue to reach people. I came across this story, 1952 on July 4th, Florence Chadwick attempted to swim from Catalina Island to Long Beach. It was 26 miles this woman was swimming, this person was swimming, okay? So when you look at Florence Chadwick, here's this person that is swimming 26 miles. How many of you guys are like, I run 100 yards and I'm breathing heavy? Is anybody with me? Listen, this didn't used to happen when I first got married. This never happened to me, but about uh, maybe six months ago, I got out of the shower, dropped the towel. I went down to get the towel and water rolled out of my belly button. first time it ever happened in my life. How many of you guys know how many of you guys know things change, right? They do. So how many of you guys know? I mean, I have. I've been, I've been running, I've been lifting weights again. I was like, "That's never going to happen to me again. All right? So I know I got a little ways to go, but honestly, I started. And how many of you guys are in, like, the one sit-up club? You're like, in the morning, I do a half a sit-up, and in the nighttime when I lay down, there's my other half a sit-up, right? (laughs) Come on. Yeah. So we're talking 26 miles. This person is swimming. The story goes to say that the water was cold, that the boats literally followed the swimmer and literally shot sharks as as this person was swimming. 26 miles. Okay, we're talking man-eating sharks. They're sitting here popping these sharks off, It was foggy, so they could not do it until they saw the fin come up. I mean, you talk about scary, cold, you're tired. Listen, when she was one half mile left, just a half mile left, she said, I'm done. She said, I can't go on anymore. They they brought the person up in the boat, and then all of a sudden, what's interesting about this is this. They were a half mile away from land. A half mile away from land. If somebody would have told the swimmer, you have a half mile to go, do this. You can do this. Come on. Don't you give up. Is anybody with me on this? See, the only hope that people are going to have is when they see land because they're drowning right now and all the other stuff, they're getting attacked. All these things are happening. So the only land that they're going to see is going to be the local church and you. Now, I want to know with the guys that were shooting the sharks, why did they, they need to know where they're going to? Why did they not know that they were a half mile away? You're here, you're here killing all the attackers, but listen, we got to get the person to the finish line. So it's not just enough to cheer people on and protect them. You have to give them hope the entire way. And listen, the local church is the land that people see so that they can have hope. Can you imagine swimming 25 and a half miles and then giving up a half mile before you were done? You talk about heart-wrenching. I just couldn't imagine. Ephesians 1, 18 and 19 says this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, or another word, open, in order that you may, watch this, know the hope. See, God will show you things so that you can give other people hope, but you'll have hope yourself. It's called vision. So there's a process in vision. The vision process goes like this. First of all, when I begin to pray, God's going God's to gonna show me it. I'm going to see what he's wanting me to do. When I see what he wants me to do, then I seize it. I grab a hold of it. And once you do those two things, you can't help but to speak it. It's just going to come out because you're seeing what God is doing. There's something inside your heart that's gravitating you towards it, and you grab hold on it, and then all of a sudden you begin to speak it. So what I'm telling you is this. You guys are seeing what this church is doing. You guys have actually, you guys, you got a firm hold on this thing. Now speak about it like you've never spoken about it before. I'm telling you, you guys could blink and have 500 people at this church in the next six months. That scares some of you. You know why? Because guess what? Growth is a painful thing. But here's the deal. Are are we happy with where we're at now or do we want to see a ton of people go to heaven with us? In December... We were running about 350 people at Endurance Church. We've been through a lot of stuff. So it took us 12 years to rebuild and get back. 90% of everybody that has come in the last 12 years has been non-church people. In the last 18 months, we've had 115 water baptisms at our church. Every one of them have been non-church people. Every single one. I'm here to tell you this. When we launched two services in December... We average 550 people, and we've ad- averaged 500 this entire summer. We've never seen anything like it. So in the month of December, in four weeks, we jumped from 350 up to 500 to 550 people. Okay, so here's what I'm telling you. You can blink, but God's looking for a place that wants to grow. God's looking for a place where people can be hope givers. And, and you've got to be able to see what God is doing. If people can't see what God is doing, they'll stumble all over themselves. And you don't want to do that. The blind lead the blind, right? How many of you guys are excited? There's something in your heart that's like, this thing's gonna pop, man. This thing's going somewhere. Something great's happening here. And and listen, when you walk away from this place, you take what you got from here and you take it to this community. You take it to your neighbors, you take it to the restaurants. I'm telling you, the greatest evangelism tool that I've ever seen in 28 years of ministry is one-on-one invitations because Jesus is changing lives one-on-one. We do the big outreaches. We just had a shoe outreach yesterday. Our church in 12 years, we started a shoe outreach 10 years ago. We've given away 11,000 pairs of tennis shoes in 12 years, or 10 years, I'm sorry. And we just had one yesterday. We gave 700 pairs of shoes out plus yesterday to our schools. You want to know what's happening? Have we gotten all those people in? No, we haven't. But all the kids in the community now, they don't know our church name is Endurance Church, but they call us the Shoe Church. <laughs> no kidding. They call us the Shoe Church. Listen, people have asked me, does that bother you? Absolutely not, because when they become teenagers and adults, they're going to know where that Shoe Church is at. So you have to reach your community. So the Bible says this, number three, you've got to keep moving forward. Okay. So when you, when you have this hope and you hold on to it, God begins to show you incredible things. And, and he will show you the puzzle pieces. But here's the deal. you got to keep moving forward. Romans chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. Through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. Watch this. And we boast in one thing. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. It is God who's doing this. It is God who's going to open the door. It is God who's going to make this happen. I love the story of of Ezra. I don't know if you guys have read Ezra very much. It's Ezra and Nehemiah. If you'll go to the book of Ezra, I believe it's chapters 7, 8, and 9, or 6, 7, and 8. Those three chapters, Ezra said, the gracious hand of my God was upon us. So we did not get attacked by bandits. The gracious hand of my God was upon us. We didn't even have to ask the king for resources. God gave us the resources. He gave us favor because the gracious hand of God was upon us. And and when you think about that, God has set his hand on this church. Listen, he's not even beginning to start with this church. Who knows what's going to happen through this church and in this church? But I do know the one thing, it's going to be all about hope. Again, when you look at these scriptures, I love it, man. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. How do we get through our sufferings? Because we know Jesus suffered and we know that he's going to carry us through. This life, if you've ever been told, if you give your life to Jesus and everything's going to be fine, that's the biggest lie that's come from the pulpit. It's not true. You will have hard times. I, I'm, I'm 48. I had to have a shoulder replacement last year. My 20th birthday, I got hit head-on by a drunk driver. So it jammed my shoulder, and uh, I got the, the stinger, and for about a week it hurt, and then nothing. And I thought, man, thank God. So last year, I, couldn't, I had what they called frozen shoulder. I couldn't even lift my arm up. So they, I had a total shoulder replacement. I'm 48. So when you look at that, I had the church pray over me. I believed for a miracle. All of this stuff, man. But guess what? It didn't happen like that. So am I going to get bitter and angry at God? No. I thank God there's technology out there that now I can move my shoulder. Thank God. Would I have loved to have had a testimony that, hey, I've got the MRIs right here. Check this out, man. It's totally gone. Can God do that? Absolutely he can. Don't you ever stop praying for miracles. But if he decides to use a doctor or he decides to have this, do this the other way, give him glory through your sufferings. I spent 12 weeks not being able to move my arm. 12 weeks. And and, and when you think about that, man, you don't realize how blessed you are until you can't move your arm. Or until something, you you suffer and go through something. All I'm telling you is this. God will get you through that, and that's hope. How do we know that? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. It keeps you going. Perseverance produces your character, who you are and who you become. And watch this. And your character produces hope. And check this out. I love this. And hope does not put us to shame. You may have another version that says hope does not disappoint. What it really means in the original is you're, you're not going to get shortchanged. <laughs> How many of you guys ever, you were like, listen, I just gave you a $50 bill and you shortchanged me? Anybody? Why, why do you make a big deal out of that? Because that's your money you work for, right? You're just like, oh, you didn't give me 20 back. It's all right. Go ahead and keep it. No. You sit there and demand your 20 bucks back, don't you? Because nobody wants to be shortchanged. What God's saying here is this. He won't shortchange you. If you'll have faith in him and you'll keep your hope in him, you will not be shortchanged. You won't be shortchanged in this life. I promise you this, the Bible says in John, it says, even if you had all the books that were written about the miracles, not even all the books could even contain what Jesus did. If you had all the containers that God poured out his grace in, all the containers on this earth could not even hold the grace of God and what he's done in your life and the hope. And church, I'm just trying to tell you here today, I'm watching God work three hours from here in the most amazing way I've seen in 26 and a half years. And I'm just saying, you better buckle your seatbelt because God's got something incredible for this church. He's got something amazing for this church. Why? Because you're willing. Because you've got hope. And when you look at this, I would say this as I close today. I would say this, expect more hope. Expect more hope. God's not done. Watch this. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, we have this hope, and this hope is an anchor for my soul. It is firm and it's secure. It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where the forerunner, Jesus Christ, has entered on our behalf. What is it saying there? If you want hope, you got to get into the presence of God. And the cool thing about the presence of God is it doesn't just stay in this chapel. It goes with you when you walk out of this building. And you, you give hope. I know you don't know me, okay? But when I get up to preach, I feel like I'm on spiritual Red Bull. Is anybody with me? And I know you're used to that even more because I've seen him preach. Oh, I, trust me. I watched the last night at camp. Dear God, man. That place was rocked. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. You guys have a prince of preachers among you. I'm just telling you. You really do. He loves the word of God and preaches it. So, literally, hope is an anchor for your soul. It anchors you to Jesus Christ. And when the worst happens, you're not going to go wave by wave. I grew up in Palm Beach, Florida. So, for 14 years, I lived three blocks from the beach. I literally had the dream life as a kid. We, we We would ride our bikes to the beach all the time. I remember red flags were out one day. We were on our boogie boards. And the undertow, the undertow is a horrific thing. Right now, Destin, Florida... And Panama City lead the entire world in drownings because of the undertow that that area has, but it's the most beautiful. It's it's the most beautiful places in the world, but it's deadly if you don't know what you're looking for. We panicked. We got out on our boogie boards, and within moments, we were 200 yards out and could not get back in. And I was 10 years old. I was a kid. I freaked. We went boogie boarding all the time. And to be honest with you, that day, I had sharks on my mind and drowning. It literally scared, it almost scared me to death. I I thought we were done. And I realized at 10 years old, I prayed and I said, God, I mean, I was 10. I didn't know what to say. I said, God, help me. And all of a sudden, our whole group started going at a 45-degree angle. Listen, almost a half a mile later, we hit shore. You talk about scary. We thought we were going to drown, even though we had a boogie board there. Waves were huge, but I remember this. Even as a 10-year-old kid, I remember God being there. That God was that anchor in that moment where probably it scared me the most. And he's an anchor for you. You talk about hope, God really cares for you. Watch this, Romans chapter 8, 28, 29. And we know that God causes everything. Look at somebody say everything. Not just a few things. He causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him. Right now, you got a community that doesn't love God, but you do. So what he's doing is he's putting the pieces back together for you. He's giving you hope so that when you leave this place, you go give hope. He's turning around your bad and making it good. And he says he does that for those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. But watch verse 29. You want to know why this one's left out all the time? We love verse 28, what I just read. Verse 29 is the entire key. It says this, for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become just like his son. You want to know what this community needs? You want to know what this city needs? Listen, I Googled Jefferson City, and I Googled what is Jefferson City known for, and you want to know what came up? We're known for the state prison. That's what came up. I'm wondering if there's a church that could change Google one day and when you type in what is Jeff City known for, I wonder if it could say, we're known for hope. (laughs) How awesome would that be? That'd be amazing. And guess where it's gonna start? Right here in this place. And and how does that happen? Because God turns around all your bad. He, He turns it around for good. Not saying you're not gonna have scars. Not saying you're not going to still drop tears. I still, the things we went through at our church and the things I've been through personally, I still have many tears. There'll be times I pull over on the road when I think about my brother. I miss him greatly. I hate cancer, I hate it. But the fact is this one of these days, I'm going to get to see that little guy again because Jesus is going to resurrect him. And if I'm dead, he's going to resurrect me. It says that's our hope, right? our blessed hope one of these days Jesus is gonna take us. I want to do two things this morning uh, actually three one is this if you're here today and you realize you do not have this hope in your life I, I've never met you. so today starts a brand new friendship with Hope City Church and Endurance Church okay and you're this is not the last time you're gonna see me we will bring teams up here we're gonna we're gonna be involved with your church but I will say this if you're here today it's not by accident. And if you don't have that hope I'm talking about, would everybody shut their eyes for a moment? And if that's you, would you raise your hand? You are like, Pastor Jerry, I do not have that hope you're talking about and I do not want to leave this place without that. Would you raise your hand so I can see it? So I can pray for you? Anybody at all in the house? Don't walk out of here without that hope because it's not an accident that, that you came today. here's what I want to do. Is TK in the building? Or is she? Okay, so let me do this. Pastor Mike and the leadership team. Would you guys come forward? Pastor Mike and the leadership team. So whatever leaders that would be, the elders, the deacons, whoever that would be. Anybody on leadership team? A bunch of the leaders are? Okay. So it's just Pastor Mike. Get up here, bro. <laughs> Here's what I'd like. I would like some people to come up, and I would like you to pray for your pastor, and here's what we're going to do. God is beginning to give him more and more pieces of the vision. He just shared this morning how cool would it be if one of these days um, we had property that we could call Hope Road or Hope Community, right? I mean, who knows? Who knows what's happening? But I know this, something's happening in his heart in TK's heart and the leadership's heart, and because of that, you're going to have direction. You're going to have clear vision. And then, listen, we're not going to leave it here. We're going to turn around and pray for you in a moment. But if you love your pastor and you love your leaders, would you stretch your hand forward just by faith and pray for them? Father, in Jesus' name this morning, God, we pray for Mike and TK. God, we pray for Alec and Cassie. We pray for all the leadership team, deacons and elders, whoever that may be, that, God, you would just, as they keep their heart open with you, that, God, they would literally see the puzzle pieces that you have for this church. That, God, you would you would even show them at times the picture on the front of the box so they can see where they're going and what it looks like and get a little taste of it. But, God, I pray that you would protect them, number one. Protect their hearts. God, I pray for favor, that you would give them favor in this community with the land and the building, whatever that would be in the future. That, God, you would blow their minds. I pray that this whole entire church would be in awe of what you are going to do. But, God, would you be with your leaders? Would you direct your leaders, give your leaders vision this morning? And, God, I pray that, God, when the enemy tries to attack their families, that, God, that enemy will be uh, stopped because of the prayers of this church, the protection of this church, the hope of this church. God, the faith of this church. God, would you please be with these leaders I pray that they would see acceleration like never before. God, as our church has seen 115 people saved in the last 18 months, God, I pray that you would help Hope City Church to accelerate, to reach people in this city like never before. I pray that, God, there would not be competition among churches in Jeff City, but God, churches would come along and begin to help Hope City Church. You want to do something so big here god give the leaders favor in jesus name we pray in jesus name we pray now i want to do this i would like and and I, i wouldn't i'm sorry that i didn't know all the leaders were gone today i didn't get to talk to pastor mike ahead of time there's a bunch of them but here's the deal would you now put a hand on the person next to you and i'm going to pray for you to be a hope giver i do not want to leave this place without praying that for you Because listen, I believe what God had in this message, these scriptures, listen, the scriptures are his will. This is what he wants you to be and wants you to do. And I'm telling you guys, I travel to churches all over. I've been the assistant district youth director for our state for 346 churches. I've seen church after church after church. Not only is this a healthy church, but God is doing something here. And I'm telling you, you better be ready. And if you will just be a hope giver, you'll see this thing take off. If you'll keep your hope in Jesus, you'll see this thing take off. Heavenly Father, our closing prayer today, God, I just ask in Jesus' name that God, this church, God, for some reason, you put it on leadership's heart to call this church Hope City Church. Lord, would it do that very thing? Would it give hope like no other church? And again, God, not in competition here, but God, these people are willing to take on the name Hope City Church to be your hope givers. I pray there won't be another church like it. I pray that thousands upon thousands of people in this area would find this church as their home, would find Jesus as their Lord and Savior because there's a group of people here this morning that say, I've got a hope and it's an anchor for my soul and I'm gonna hold on firm and I'm gonna show you through your darkness. I'm gonna show you through your addiction and your depression what hope looks like. There is a hope, and his name is Jesus Christ. God, would you anoint your people even more than they are anointed? Would you give them incredible divine opportunities? Lord, whoever's going to stop by McDonald's today to see Larissa, Lord God, I pray that it would just be a connection. God, bring her hope today. Father, be with your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, would you join us in this last song? And then I'm sure Pastor Mike will come up and and close this out today. But, um, man, be a hope giver today. Don't hold hope to yourself. Be a hope giver. Because I'm telling you, God, God, he's doing something. It used to be ten churches every week in America shut down. Now it's ten churches plus a day in America shut down. Did you know there's 2,500 pastors that leave the ministry every month not to ever get in there again? Protect your pastor and his family. Support him. It does you no good to fight God or fight against leadership. And I'm not saying that because I've heard anything. All I've heard is incredible from this place. What did we spend, 27 hours together, bro, traveling? All he did was brag on you and Jesus. Amazing. So church, with all your heart, Open your hearts up to God as we respond today and give God that spot and that space of hope. Would you do that today?